CEOs that we speak to see, hey, I really want my employees to be informed. You know, people are asking questions that we've answered before. Uh, so they see there's a communication mismatch happening in organizations. And I think the instinct at that stage is to communicate more. So you get this feedback, hey, we don't know what's going on. So the CEO does more communication and that cascades down through the teams. And unfortunately, it's not working because employees are already overwhelmed. Like people are already getting too, too many Slack messages, too many emails. So I think the, the, the challenge is to step back from that and say, hey, how do we communicate less and get more information to our employees? How do we target it more? How do we actually cut things out that aren't working? That was PIN co-founder and co-CEO John Williams describing some of the challenges that organizations face maintaining strong internal communications in today's world. In today's episode, I'll be sitting down with John and Joris Lukey, both co-founders and co-CEOs of PIN, to talk all about internal communications. And we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Redefining HR, one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey, from onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between. PIN helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. And reinvent employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Redefining HR podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And I am really excited about today's podcast, actually, for a couple of reasons. So there's a few firsts that are happening in this episode. One it's the first time that I'm going to be recording an episode with two guests, so very excited about that. And second, uh, these aren't just guests. I'm going to be speaking with the co-founders and co-CEOs of PIN. And PIN actually, uh, in, in addition to being an amazing technology platform that we're going to get into shortly, they actually are the first and only supporter and underwriter of this podcast and the Redefining HR community. So. I uh, wanted to open with that, you know, full disclosure in terms of the partnership and collaboration, but more importantly, really want to dig into this conversation because I'm excited to learn myself more about the origin story, how they connected, and how they are transforming internal communications for distributed work. So, uh, Joris, John, thanks so much for coming on. So, uh, Joris Lukey is the co-founder and co-CEO, and John Williams is the other co-founder and co-CEO. So, uh, for listeners that may not be familiar with you, why don't you uh, open up and you can each take turns introducing yourselves and giving yourself a little bit of uh, background for the listeners. Hi, Lars. This is Joris. My background is uh, HR. I'm a, I'm a professional, like an HR professional. I used to run HR teams at uh, Atlassian and at Squarespace, at Typeform. And uh, I've been toying with this idea throughout my entire HR career. And at some point, I wanted to develop this career into, or this, uh, this idea into an actual product. Um, and it's when I started to look for a great co-founder. And at some point I bumped into John over a coffee when I was back in Australia. And yeah, I mean, we, I pitched the idea and the rest is history. But I'll let John introduce himself. Hey Lars, uh, I'm John. Uh, my background is, is tech engineering. Um, that's, that's what I've done for most of my career. Uh, but I think there was a moment 
in that career where I realized uh, the limitations of tech, that all the projects I worked on were always late or they missed the targets. And usually it was the culture. It was always the people and, and the way the teams were set up. So that, I guess that experience led me to be fascinated by culture. Uh, eventually I ended up in startups and I founded uh, a company out of Melbourne, Australia called CultureAmp. And that was a great journey. I did almost everything in that company from coding to marketing to sales at different stages. Um, and eventually I moved back to Australia and, and that was the moment that, that I bumped into Yaris again uh, and we decided to work on PIN. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think uh, I've, one of the things I really enjoy in this podcast and just in general is learning about origin stories. Uh, and, and there's always interesting uh, dynamics with co-founders, uh, right? But I, I think when, when I first connected with yours and learned a little bit more about PIN, what I found really interesting is uh, how complementary your backgrounds were based on kind of your your experience and skill sets. So how, you know, yours, you mentioned you guys connected over you know, coffee and you pitched the idea. How'd you hook up to begin with? Did you guys know each other kind of before this coffee meeting? What's walk me back? You know, what, what was the backstory before you, uh, you hit that, uh, that cafe? Yeah. So when I was working at Atlassian, we were a culture amp customer and same thing at Squarespace, same thing. I think at all the other companies I worked for in, uh, in my professional career as an operator. Um, so I know John and, you know, we go back from the time that sometimes I met up with John and uh, he would ask questions about his platform, Culture Hemp. And, you know, we, we got talking. So I, I know of John throughout my entire career. And it's it's interesting when you try to build a company from, from scratch, but you're not, you know, you don't have the technical skills yourself. You do something which is called founder dating. <laughs> you start trying to find a co-founder that really compliments you. Um, <laughs> met with a lot of technical folks, but there's a big difference between finding a technical co-founder who is technically capable of building a product and a co-founder who actually has the experience of building a company from scratch, from day one, and it being a, a an HR tech company as well. So John has this unique combination of having built a product within the tech space before, having built a company from scratch before, and, you know, I was super delighted that when I pitched him, John actually thought it was a good idea <laughs> as well. So, um, it, it, yeah, that was just a match made in heaven, really. Yeah. And John, how about you? Like, what was your, what was your reaction to the pitch? What, what struck you? You, you probably had, you know, a, a range of options of things you could have pursued. Like, what was it about yours' pitch uh, specifically for PIN that stood out to you? Yeah, there, there are a couple of things. So, uh, you know, just... Reiterating on what Yoris said, Yoris was always the guy that at Coltramp I went to to explain our own product to us. Like he, he, I thought Yoris was the most innovative thinker in HR. So I always used him as a bit of a yardstick of what was really, you know, true innovation in HR. And when I met Yoris, he, he pitched me on this idea of, hey, we need to send timely, personalized communications to employees. And I just spent the last, you know, four or five years on the marketing side at Coltramp and Coltramp does an amazing job. We, you know, the, the company thinks a lot about, you know, timing and how to communicate with customers and leads. And it was a very, um, it, was a, it was a very elaborate process. And when Yaris pitched me, I realized that, you know, despite all that work, um, that, you know, my kind of communications as a manager were a Slack message on a Friday afternoon, uh, San Francisco time, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which, 
which is when the world's gone to sleep, right? And as a marketeer, I would never do that. You know, I would never send a message. I would never not personalize or track. I would never send on a Friday afternoon. And it was just, it seemed like a really simple idea. Why aren't we taking as much care with employees as we are with our customers? It, it, it seemed like a pretty logical leap to make. Got it. And so why PIN? What's the, uh, how did you land on that name? So it used to be PUN, which stood for a point of need. Uh, but then several folks made us aware that when they quickly read the letters P-O-N, they, in their mind, read porn. Um, <laughs> so that was obviously not, you know, that was not a good product name. Um, and once, once you hear it, it kind of sticks with you. So we're like, shit, we need to, we need to change this. Yeah. <laughs> so we came up with PIN. Um, because it's not porn is the answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there probably would have been some SEO benefits to, to that. You know, that's, uh, you know, you're, you're one letter away from a very uh, heavily searched term, but uh, that, that makes sense. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so for listeners who aren't familiar with PIN, how do you describe the platform? PIN is employee journey management software. So basically what PIN does is it allows companies to send useful information to their employees at key moments during the employee journey, like promotions or onboarding. And conceptually, it's not dissimilar from uh, marketing automation tools that allow you to send key communication to prospects and customers at times. The example that I always give is when my little kid was born, Jasper, um, this is three and a half years ago, somehow Facebook had figured out that an event that was very you know, personal to me had occurred, baby born, right? And at the same time, they also knew I was at the time living in New York City. They knew I was working in tech. They probably knew my income bracket. <laughs> they probably knew I was like an educated male. They had so much information on me and they targeted me with these ads. And of course the ads were just perfect for me, right? So I clicked on the buggers and I bought stuff because they had a lot of information on me. Now we don't do that inside an organization. We just send out generic messages to the entire employee base or certain groups within the organization. Yet we have so much information on people, which is stored in, people, in our HRIS systems or Salesforce or Zendesk or all those systems. Now, what we do is PIN uses that information to send out useful information at points when people actually need it. So two examples there, let's say, You've just moved from having zero to one or more direct reports, which is registered obviously in your HRIS system. We can send useful information via Slack or email to that, to that uh, new manager with information on how to run their first one-on-one -on -one or tasks to do in their first week. Um, so it's super useful, super well-timed. Now, obviously we have inf more information, demographic information on that person as well. So let's say that person is a manager in the engineering team, the information can be slightly different um, to that manager in engineering versus a manager who is in customer success. We make that experience of sending timely information ridiculously simple. Um, maybe one more example. When I used to run HR at, at Atlassian, we had offices globally all over the world. And we would communicate holidays, upcoming holidays all the time but we wouldn't be able to target it. So with PIN, we will be able to send a message to say a manager who's based in San Francisco, who has a direct report who is in, in India, a few days out prior to Diwali, which is a big deal in India, festival of the lights, um, obviously something that uh, 
has an impact on that employee. But the manager in San Francisco may never have heard of that holiday before. That manager can receive a little slack saying, hey, um, your uh, Diwali is coming up for your direct report. It's a time to spend with friends and family, a bit like Thanksgiving perhaps. So maybe wish the person had a, time, uh, a happy time with friends and family. And by the way, be aware that the office is going to shut down for a few days. Don't expect any email communication back. Now, I, as a HR pro, would have sent a similar message to, you know, I would have posted that maybe in a Slack channel to all managers, would have been completely irrelevant to most managers, and it would have only been relevant to maybe a group of five people. PIN allows you to target communications and customize communications specifically to the needs of an employee. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. I, I think especially in the environment we're in, right now, right? Where we're so many in, you know, A, there's there's pandemic fatigue, there's a massive kind of variability, you know, in terms of how you're experiencing COVID, depending on where you live. Uh, companies who have the ability to be remote uh, have been for a while and will continue to be. And so I think that organizations from an internal comms perspective, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure out how to communicate effectively in this new, you know, hybrid remote structure that for many, you know, companies was kind of forced on them. So like, what, what do you see when you, when you think about the problems you're solving, what are some of the, the biggest challenges that CEOs and business leaders face as they're navigating these new struggles from a comm standpoint? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's, that's very true. I think the problems they're facing are pretty similar to the old problems. Like, I, I don't think that this, uh, um, this change necessarily, you know, changes the, the landscape. But I think that some of the things that are amplified by this environment, uh, and I think CEOs that we speak to see, hey, I really want my employees to be informed. You know, people are asking questions that we've answered before. Uh, so they see there's a communication mismatch happening in organizations. And I think the instinct at that stage is to communicate more. So you get this feedback, hey, we don't know what's going on. So the CEO does more communication and that cascades down through the teams. And unfortunately, it's not working because employees are already overwhelmed. Like people are already getting too, too many Slack messages, too many emails. So I think the, the, the challenge is to step back from that and say, hey, how do we communicate less and get more information to our employees? How do we target it more? How do we actually cut things out that aren't working? Um, rather than just, hey, let's, let's, let's send more messages to you know, overcome uh, what is actually a communication mismatch. Right. You know, and it's interesting to do because I think in that scenario, the uh, good intentions are what sink the ship, right? Like you, you, you think, oh, well, people need to hear more or they're not hearing what we're trying to communicate. So we need to do it through a range of channels or more often. And, you know, the, what the reality of what happens is people start to tune you out a bit more because they're just overwhelmed. So like what, what is great internal communication looks like? Like what, what sets it apart from some of these kind of misses and examples you reference? Well, firstly, if, if communication is well-timed, it's always better, right? So if you actually, yeah. at, at times when you actually need the information, so if you, you know, the example of a, a person being promoted to, the man, to a manager for the first time, uh, that's a, it's a great time to actually consume information because you, you need it, you want it, right? Or let's say you're a manager, you have someone coming back from parental leave. To automatically receive a message then, hey, Marie is coming back from parental leave and this is how you put together a return to work plan. That's useful at that time. So you, you will want to consume it. The second thing yeah. is, you know, if it's targeted, 
it's it's better. So if it's customized to the person, so if you're you know if you receive a message as a new manager, the managers in in engineering and the communication speaks to the the fact that you're in engineering. So how do you run your first one on one with your with an engineer? That's it's generally speaking better. So timing, targeting is the most important uh, stuff. But then we start thinking about other elements as well. Is it delivered the right way, right? If you, you know, is it delivered through Slack as a direct message or as a generic message via email or, you know, when do we deliver something? Do we ensure that it's being delivered in people's local time zone? So you don't have people receiving messages at like 12 p.m. or, you know, 11 p.m. or, you know, in, in the middle of the night. If you think further than, you know, communications that draws attention in the right way, obviously, is, is generally speaking more effective. So if you, if you get a message that is super personalized, right, it, it speaks to you, it mentions your name, uh, that's already better. If you then add an image of the person who the information or the, the nudge relates to, that's even better, right? So if you have a person coming back from parental leave, and let's call her Marie again, and you say, hey, Marie is coming back from parental leave and you add her, her image in the Slack message as well. Generally speaking, it draws more attention as well. And I think lastly, if you can respect people's own preferences on the way they prefer to receive communication, it's always better. So, you know, if you allow a recipient to decide, hey, future communication, I prefer to receive via Slack in the afternoons because, you know, in the afternoons is when I prefer to be distracted. Respecting people's preferences is is an important part of communicating well. Take like a like a Squarespace, you know, engineers much prefer receiving communication via via Slack, but in support in the support teams, open rates via email were actually a little bit higher because people were working, you know, they were their work were focused within their within their email inboxes anyway. So that's where they did their work. So, you know, timing, targeting delivering it in the right way, getting people's attention, respecting people's preferences, all these factors make a message, generally speaking, better. Yeah, and you, you hit on some of them, uh, Yoris, in that description, but like when you think about getting employees' attention, you know, right now, that's, that's hugely difficult, right? There's so, many, uh, there's so many distractions on the given day, let alone when we're home and, uh, you know, for some of us, our, our kids are home, we have lots of other things that are happening, uh, outside of like a traditional workday. So like, what are, you, you mentioned some of the personalization and kind of timing, uh, you know, aspects of, of, you know, being able to optimize your messaging, but what are other best practices? Like what are, what are tips that you have for, uh, you know, either your, your customers or users on how to craft communications that will actually cut through all those distractions and get your employees' attention and get them to take action? Yeah, I think make it good is usually our philosophy. <laughs> you know, hey, hey, spend some time thinking about the communication. Uh, you know, I, I think that there is a tendency in HR to um, overwhelm people with communication. So if you imagine, hey, the email sent out before performance reviews, it's usually titled everything you need to know about performance reviews. Uh, and it's usually a huge, big, long email that is overwhelming and people tend to skip over. So I think something that we definitely narrow down on is, you know, think about, you know, the employees and the circumstance that they're in. Think about their context. Hey, they're sitting at home or 
they've just come out of a really bad performance review with their manager or, hey, they've just, you know, moved countries or whatever's happened to the employee. Think about their context as much as you can and then craft the communication afterwards. And usually that ends up in a much better result. And, and Lars, to add to that, um, the first step, you communicate something, obviously, and you make the first step, the actionable step, super simple to, to action. I actually was talking to Dan Pink just a few months ago about uh, about a product and I was asking about communications and obviously he's like a guru in this space. And Dan Pink said, you know, gave this, this example of making something so easy for people to do. It, almost, it should almost be easier for people to do something than not to do something. He, he gave the example of, a, of putting like, a, like a, a paper bin next to the copier machine to encourage folks to recycle paper, right? Now you can, you can, of course, give an explanation of the benefits of recycling, right? But in a way, putting that, that basket next to the printer is much more effective, right? From a communication perspective, we like to do a similar thing. Like step one should be super simple to action for the person who receives communication. So a real life example, let's say you have a, a manager who receives some communication, how to put together a return to work plan for a person coming back from parental leave. First step they need to do is reach out to this returning parent, right? Setting up, setting up, set up a meeting. So we can make the first step a simple click away from your Slack messages, Slack notification or Slack, Slack notes that you received with a pre-populated email that goes out to the returning parent. And once you, generally speaking, once you complete step one, you are so much more likely to, to complete steps number two, three, and four as well, and to actually complete the action in full. So there is a science behind like the first hump to overcome basically. And that's what we focus on a lot. Yeah, I mean, you guys both kind of raise a great point, I think around HRs, uh, you know, often our history with communications, right? You know, you, the benefits is a good example, like open enrollment's coming. Here's 15 paragraphs uh, with, you know, two dozen links uh, to tell you everything you need to know. Like nobody is going to read that. Nobody wants that. Nobody's going to read that. Like I think if we, if we had the ability, like this is, you know, you see some of the, some marketing disciplines, uh, you know, being infused into HR and frankly, you know, marketers coming into HR uh, to help with some of our, our kind of outreach and campaigns and messaging and creative. I think if we, one of the skills, the most kind of under-discussed uh, important skills, I think, for HR operators is writing. The ability to craft compelling, concise messaging um, that, can, that, can, that can result in people um, you know, acting on it. I just think it, it's, it's, it's so much harder to write shorter than it is longer. And, and that's just a, a general area that I think HR as a, as a discipline can get so much better at. Absolutely, we, I can't agree more. And especially in this remote environment where people receive just so much communications, right? Like, and it's terrible, like about 30, 40% of corporate communications is even being opened. Like people, people literally just move it straight to the trash box. And that's just scary, right? And the other thing is, you know, there's this over-reliance on static communications, these repositories of information that people rely on, start to, started to rely on in this remote environment, like employee handbooks and stuff like that. 
I was recently speaking to this quite famous, like large, fully remote company, and they had a employee handbook, which is great. But you know, if you're if you're an employee trying to look for certain facts or information about a certain situation that you encountered, you know, it's like swimming through an ocean of of information, right? It's very hard to find because these handbooks they keep growing and growing. Now, what we basically do is we pick the relevant bits of the handbook. Like conceptually, we pick the relevant bits of the handbook, write it in a very action-oriented way, you know, what you actually need to do and deliver it to the person right when they need it, right? And that is so much more effective than relying on people to self-search, find information. And, you know, and this is for people who actually know that they need something, right? If you, if you don't know what you don't know, but you don't know sometimes, especially if you're a new manager or first, you know, the first time you, you enter an organization, it's so much easier for the employee if the information is just pushed to you, if it's made super relevant and action-oriented, right? And I know this is a really simple concept. It's not rocket science, what we're building. It's, it's just super handy. Yeah. That's interesting, Lars, you know, what you said is that if you think about you know, your education and how you're kind of prepared for the the workforce and in HR and most professions, you, you don't get taught how to write a really great email. <laughs> you don't get taught those skills, right? And and as you know, you know HR is is a lot of it is is change management. It's programs of change, and a lot of that is communication. A lot of that is changing behaviours. Um, and yet, you know, HR pe- people can be excellent at running those programs, but don't necessarily tie that in um, into the communication side all the time. Yeah, and I wanna I wanna kind of piggyback on something yours you just referenced in terms of the you know the right communication with the right actions at the right time in a way that uh, that is a, a push notification that's coming directly to the employee and or manager in need. And you actually last year you released a, an early version, an alpha version of an employee journey map that you had built that was just incredibly detailed about all of the different kind of phases of an employee life cycle and uh, comms triggers that would be associated with each one. So like, take me, I'm sure some listeners saw that too. They probably have a bookmarked and I'll actually add a link to that in the show notes. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you're going to want to bookmark this uh, after the episode. Where did that come from? What was the driver in, in kind of releasing that? What led you to build this? I mean, I, I built something similar at, at, my previous companies, right? Never like the entire journey, but parts of the journey, right? We, you know, I remember building like the, the onboarding journey map and the new manager journey map, right? So when we, when I started thinking about like all these moments that were important to people, I wanted to build something that went from, you know, from all the way from start, like pre-boarding to all those employee moments or moments that were important for managers all the way to, to offboarding, right? Because if we identify all those moments when people need clarity or guidance, which generally speaking tends to happen around times of change, you know, when, for example, when you get promoted to become a manager or at times, you know, at, at, during important dates, you know, maybe performance reviews are coming up or important milestones during a person's life cycle, like, you know, anniversaries or something like that. During all of these times, employees or managers need clarity or need guidance, 
on how to do something. And my goal was to map out all those moments. And we talk about hundreds and hundreds of moments during the employee journey. And um, our goal from a system perspective is to write communication for all of those moments, right? And for organizations then to use data that they have sitting in their HRIS system or, or Zendesk or, or Salesforce to automatically trigger that communication to go out, right? Now, our core IP as a, as a company is for messages to be delivered in a customized way, in a personalized way at those, at those times. What is not our core IP is the employee journey map because, you know, that's something that we would happily share with, with the world. And in a way, the content, that, that action-oriented content is not necessarily our core IP either because a lot of organizations write great content as well. So we can be, you know, we can share some of that content and share the employee journey map with, with the world so they can start using that themselves within their organizations. Because, you know, in a way, I would have wanted to have that myself as an HR professional. Literally, I tried to find it many, many times and there's just nothing available online. I spent hours, hours looking for it. There's lots of mentions of the employee journey and mapping the employee journey. And sure, there's, there's a few blog posts perhaps written about certain parts of that journey, but no one created something that was completely end-to-end. -end. And that's, that's why we created it. Yeah, I mean, like the, the level of detail, I, for, for whatever reason, like I distinctly remember when you posted that on LinkedIn and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like this is, you know, and obviously I'm a big open source, you know, nerd. And I saw that, I'm like, this is a, this is a solid gold open source give. But the cool thing was like seeing how people responded. And, you know, we, we have a lot of similar friends and networks in terms of, uh, you know, CHROs and chief people officers and, and to see how they all kind of bounced on it. And we're like, my God, this is perfect. Like, this is exactly what I needed. I just thought it was very cool. You know, there, it's, uh, there's no shortage of free resources and content on the land you know, in the market right now, high value free resources, you know, like really that thing where you're like, this is the thing that I would have Googled for hours and hours. If I could just get this one thing to be able to, to be able to put that out into the, uh, into the community for, you know, peers to be able to, to, to reference and, and use and build on, I think was great. So what, you know, when you think about what's next for PIN, like, and how you're going to be evolving, I know you've recently announced, uh, you'll be, you know, partnering with Bamboo HR and some stuff like what, what is the next year, two years, you know, I, I won't put the horizon out beyond two years. So what, what are the, what are the next two years for PIN look like? So, yeah, I think the reason we're excited about Bamboo HR is getting access. I mean, they're a great company for one and getting access to their, their customer base is really useful for us because, you know, data in HR systems varies a lot. There's a lot of different, you know, ways they're configured. Some things aren't used. Some things maybe aren't, the data isn't necessarily up to date. And it, it's, it's a lot more complex than, than you might think um, just looking at it from afar. So, you know, being able to access that and actually build up a database that we understand, you know, how companies work is pretty important to us. So, so being able to use that as a platform is, is, is you know, a big deal. And then I think for the, the future for PIN is, you know, just expanding our use cases, you know, using all that information we have on the employee. We, we actually know quite a bit about the employee. We know you've become a manager. We, we know you haven't taken leave. We know all these you know, really important um, pieces of information, but we're not actually using them. So I think that the big thing for us at PIN is like, hey, how do we identify these really, really, you know, important use cases and actually build out 
the, the functionality of suit. This is where it becomes really fun, Lars. Like if we look at our customers and what they ask for in terms of when they want to provide information to their people and nudge people, this is where it gets really interesting, Lars, because for us, it's really exciting to see what our customers are, are wanting out of the system as well. If you take a customer like Shopify, they nudge their managers when they have one of their direct reports hasn't had a salary increase for, uh, for some time, yet they have a, a high performance rating. Now we have this data sitting in Workday and we can automatically trigger this information to go out on these key moments, which is super useful for managers. Or we have customers like, like Snake, they use it for all of their onboarding. Um, the entire onboarding journey is managed through PIN and they basically send in the pre-boarding phase or an onboarding phase, super personalized messages to new person, new people who start and their manager and anyone involved in the onboarding process. It's, it's these customers that make us like realize what is ahead for PIN as well. We're building something, we're building a platform that allows people to send tailored information at useful moments. Now it's up for the organizations to identify when they want to send out information to their people as well. When, when those crucial moments are there um, that they want to enable, and that's all possible with, with our platform. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it'll be fascinating and I, I'm certainly going to be uh, keeping a close eye to see some of the different use cases. Cause you're right with, with your IP, the ability for, uh, you know, HR teams to get creative with how they use those custom messages and when, and really, you know, the, the, there's, the desire to provide this level of support probably exists in the majority of HR organizations. The bandwidth to do it manually is not possible, right? It's, it's just not. And so that, I remember like distinctly when we had our first demo, you know, the lights were going off because I was just thinking if, if, if I had the ability to automate a lot of these you know, messages and prompts and nudges uh, that I know will make a difference. It'll allow my, you know, my, it'll create a better employee experience. It'll allow my managers to be more effective. Uh, and it doesn't require me having to make a note in my calendar to follow up with a person at a certain time in the future. Uh, that's huge. Okay. So I understand you're going to be partnering with Bamboo HR on a webinar to actually show some examples of building a custom employee journey map. Is that right? That's right, actually, uh, Yaris is running that, but I can, I can talk to it. So on the 2nd of March, we're running a webinar uh, to help people get the tools to build their own journey map. And we're drawing upon uh, some really interesting companies, actually. So we've got companies like Sneak and Lucid Charts, uh, Flexport, Shopify, and, and Bamboo HR themselves who are actually partnering with us on the webinar. So I think that will be really interesting. I'm actually looking forward to, to joining and participating myself. So um, yeah, if you're interested, yeah, head on over and sign up um, on our website. Cool, sounds great. And yeah, for uh, listeners, I'll actually add a link to that in the show notes as well. So uh, I'll give you two places to find that if you're interested. For listeners who, uh, who want to learn more about PIN, they want to check you out, maybe get a demo, what, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, go to our website, pynhq.com, and just select request a demo. That's probably the easiest way to go about it. Cool. Well, Yoris, John, I really appreciate you guys making time to uh, come on the show and for all the support uh, you, you've been uh, investing in the Redefining HR community. So thanks so much. Great. Thank you, Yoris. Thanks very much, Lars. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. 
For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.